squashed the wizards, the redskins, ravens, it don't get much bigger. Dows and tigers, Maryland Terps, as Big G, he knows how it all works. So sit down, relax, chill with the bro, cause it's time for the Big G Show. Welcome everybody to the Big G Show, AWTOP Fantasy Sports Experience, and we talk betting as well with the Super Bowl up ahead this Sunday. It is the most heavily bet sporting event in the United States, and here to preview the Super Bowl is John Brennan, who does a number of different outlets, work for NJ. OnlineGambling.com, Better Collective, Sports Handle, you name it, John is the person we want to be talking to today as we get ready to set our wagers in either Delaware or West Virginia. John, good to talk to you, man. I'm jealous. You've got legalized betting in New Jersey. We do not have it here in D.C., but it is coming. Well, you can thank... uh, uh Thanks for having me on first, but uh, also everybody in the United States that's interested in legal regulated gambling has to thank the residents of New Jersey. They're the ones who passed the referendum in 2011 to directly challenge the federal government and say, we want our casinos and racetracks to have uh, uh, sports betting. We don't care what the federal law says, and it's unconstitutional anyway. And it took seven years, but uh, last year the uh, Supreme Court went ahead and said, uh, you know what, you're right, this is unconstitutional. So now everybody gets a shot at it. I'm glad you actually mentioned that because I kind of wanted to continue talking about the upward trajectory that is revenue in terms of gambling in the state of New Jersey. I went to Atlantic City probably in like May of this past year or last year, and I got to tell you, I mean, the city looks transformed from what I saw a couple of years ago, four or five. I don't think it's exactly where it was, but... Do you think the rise of sports betting and legalized gambling has helped kind of resurge Atlantic City? Yeah, there's no question. There's two things. Uh, One is it uh, took a couple of years, but eventually the casinos figured out that online gambling, if they are sponsoring it, is actually a profit center for them, right? So they realized that millennials are going to bet on their uh, play online poker or online casino games, and the older people obviously still tend to go to the casinos. So they make money on both markets. So that's been big for them. But the other key thing to understand about Atlantic City is that it's a very seasonal destination, right? So you got June, July, and August, they sell out every room. They don't have enough rooms. You know, May and September, shoulder are okay. And then the dead of winter is, is a nightmare. And now you've got football weekends right through January into the first weekend of February. And then it's only a few more weeks and you really got March Madness heating up. And then when you get through that, baseball season has started and the weather's getting warmer. So Atlantic City and New Jersey in that respect benefit a little more than other places would because even though you can bet in your home in New Jersey, for a lot of people, they'd rather get together socially and go down there for the weekend. And if you know one person prefers roulette or blackjack or poker and the other people aren't as into that, well, they can go for the sports betting and they can sort of share their experience so your colleague daniel mason i know had made uh, had written about how illegal sports betting is still very prevalent as well is it of your opinion i mean i i think the answer is yes here but like states like maryland virginia they got to know that illegal sports betting is happening and they're missing out on their piece of the pie but like why are states like maryland and virginia still behind and not getting necessary legislation to enact legal sports betting like right now. 
But, well, I, th I think a lot of it, frankly, is an age difference. People who grew up without the internet and are now in their 60s and 70s, that's a lot of legislators, right? They don't really understand this issue. Maybe they didn't have a bookie in their neighborhood growing up like I did, frankly, in, in New York. Um, and so what their idea is, well, we don't want people to gamble, which is understandable. And they particularly are concerned, we really don't want them gambling online because they can blow the rent money at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night, right? So I understand that concern. But what they don't understand is that that's already happening to some extent. And so do you want to just let it happen and do nothing about it? Or do you want to regulate it and make it legal, get consumer protection, that sort of thing? Plus, the, the numbers of tax revenue that are sometimes touted are wildly exaggerated. So I, I think sometimes the argument made to legislators is not really well focused. I think it should be, this is already happening. Here's how big it is already. Here's what the problems are. And now how do we solve it? Rather than, I think, legislators are thinking, well, it doesn't happen now and I don't want to let it happen. Speaking to John Brennan of NJOnlineGambling.com, Brett Smiley at Better Collective wrote an article about Barstool planting their flag in sports betting now, and I had a friend of mine reach out to me and say, Maryland Live, sportsbook brought to you by Barstool. Do you think it gets to that point where we see Barstool sportsbooks like DraftKings sportsbooks and FanDuel sportsbooks, William Hill sportsbooks, things of that sort? I do expect that. They have an extremely large uh, audience of millennial, somewhat affluent males around the country. And they already talk about betting. They have for since they were formed. And now that it's legal in some of these states, you're going to get more and more people interested. So, I mean, clearly, you know, Penn National, which uh, just sort of bought into Barstool, they're a huge company. They're in about 20 different states. They've got racetracks, casinos. They've got all kinds of gambling operations, but they're not that well known. Barstool, for that audience, is incredibly well known. So, yeah, I, th I think not only are you going to see sports books come along like that, they're going to be Barstool branded, Barstool merchandise, Barstool everything, and in many different states. Yeah, Mr. Portnoy just got pretty rich. Let's talk about legally betting on the Super Bowl, John. Are we seeing an upward trend this year in terms of legal bets taken by books this uh, so far ahead of the Super Bowl? It's a little bit early just because so much big money comes down later. But, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely forecasting an uptick. I mean, last year, not only did you have the Patriots and all that Patriot fatigue, but I think the Rams had about the, about the worst narrative you could ever have, right? I mean, the 49ers used to be this great team with Montana and Steve Young and Jerry Rice. And the Chiefs haven't been there in 50 years. And we know how loyal their fans are and how they've suffered. And you really got a storyline. Pat Mahomes might be the most exciting young player in, in the, the NFL. And then last year you had the Rams who were from Los Angeles, you know. So I think there's no problem beating that number. I think they can break the record, actually, from a couple of years ago. Prop bets seem to be something that keeps exploding in terms of popularity. I was doing some digging last year. Didn't seem like the NFL really liked the idea of prop bets. But in terms of gambling in New Jersey, are you guys seeing a lot of wagers on prop bets? What's your expectations there? Yeah, I mean, a couple of the companies, there's more than a dozen operators already in New Jersey. Um, PointsBet and DraftKings have four to 500 different prop bets, which is ast astonishing. But it's almost as if anything you can think of, they'll be happy to give you a number on it if you're, you're willing to bet a lot. I kind of like the Fat Man touchdown special on mm -hmm. DraftKings. 33 to 1 that an offensive lineman scores a touchdown. In terms of a little bit more serious actual picking, um, I like Tariq Hill at 20 to 1 to be the MVP. I mean, if he gets a special team score or maybe breaks some tackles for big gains on a touchdown, touchdown. He's the one who could steal it from Pat Mahomes. The thinking is that if the Chiefs win, Mahomes is MVP no matter what. And I think Hill is probably the only one who could take that away from him. One that I can't really seem to figure out if I like or not. I wrote that I liked it, and now I have kind of been coming back a little bit. 
was the three scores in a row prop. And you it's juiced up to the point where I don't even really think you're getting great value on it. What's your expectation as far as this game goes? Do you think the Chiefs will get in a position where maybe they're down 10 nothing? They've been down in both of their prior playoff games, and they're going to need to score in bunches, and they could potentially score three times in a row. What's your take on that? Would you rather go with the favorite where it's actually going to happen or get some better odds that it won't happen? Uh, I think it won't happen, partly because I, I really like the 49ers and the under. So I don't even know how many scores they're going to be. So <laughs> I'm not sure if, if both teams even score three apiece. So I don't like that one too much. I got to say, I was 58.4% on my picks this year, but I was 0-2 in the conference championship. So do you uh, you want the hot hand or the, the guy who did better during the season? No, I want the over 55% guy during a larger stretch of time. And I'm glad you actually brought that up because when it comes to to sports betting and gambling a lot of people can kind of feel like they're perennial loser and they lose more than 50 percent of the time but like 55 percent right that's sort of the number that you we always talk about is where you want to be in terms of sports betting you are successful if you're at that 55 number do you agree with that Oh, absolutely. I mean, and full disclosure, last year I was right around 55% through week 10. I went 1-9 and nine in weeks 11 and 12, and I just never recovered, and I, I finished a couple games under 500 last year. So it's very difficult, and it's humbling. I was doing five picks a week, sort of like the Super Contest in Las Vegas, so I wasn't actually entered in it. And, um, yeah, that helps a little bit because you got, you know, 14 to 16 games a week, and, and you only have to pick five of them against the point spread. But it's really challenging and, and humbling, even when you have a good year like I did. Let me ask you this, teasers and parlays are popular, but we also hear that they are sucker bets a lot of the time. Do you like teasers or parlays, or do you prefer to just say, pick a side, go with it, believe in your side, or do you like getting the extra points sometimes? I hate parlays. In fact, New Jersey breaks down the house edge. And I think in 2019, baseball is like 3.9%. And the other sports were right around 5 to 5.5%. And parlay bets was about 13% for the house. And keep in mind, obviously, there are people who win a 10-team parlay and they get, you know, $100 turns into 90000 or whatever. It does happen, but it shows you how rarely it happens. Because even those big losses the house gets, they win so many parlay bets. The percentage is enormous. Teasers are a little different. I think for the, for the real sharps, they can look at the line and they can get, there's a big difference between getting an extra three or seven points. What does that change the line to, right? So, I mean, when they can find the right numbers, they can give themselves a little bit of an edge. So out of the two, I, I think the teasers are a little more tempting, but it kind of helps to be a pro too. Are the New Jersey books offering the offshore prop bets that I see? Like, will the president tweet during the game, J-Lo and butt cleavage, stuff like that? Now, almost every bet that's allowed, and there are hundreds allowed in New Jersey, has to do with something happening on the field. There are a couple of odd ones, like will Andy Reid wear a hat? That is on the field, kind of. The strangest one, and I don't know why they allowed it, because they don't do Lent and National Anthem or some of those other silly ones, but it's a, the Gatorade bath. You know, what color is that going to be? I don't know why they allow that, but uh, red is the chalk, by the way, at plus 150. But, you know, as, as I wrote, you know, right-thinking fans who've been bored to death by this cliche for years, I say take the nun at plus 900, 9 to 1, and hope that the silly gimmick's finally retired. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like that. Let's uh, transition to Meadowlands Racetrack. It's somewhere that I, growing up as a kid in New Jersey, I saw a number of times going to Jets, Giants, Devils games. Never actually made it there myself, but I saw a tweet of yours a couple of weeks ago that their remote handle was up 26% in 2019. So 
people are flocking to the Meadowlands racetrack to have an enjoyable afternoon and wager on the ponies? Yeah, well, it, it's been a combination of things. Um, one is the sports books there inside the racetrack, okay? So people who just want to go to the Meadowlands to make a bet and enjoy the sports book, they're in the racetrack. They can see their horses outside, you know, on, on weekends. So that's been a help. There's also a state subsidy for the purses, which has made a difference. And then they, there's revenue from sports betting itself that goes in. So uh, I've just always been amazed that uh, horse players – if you raise the purses a bit, then you know the, the horses are free agents, right? So they go where the money is. So then the fields get a little deeper, and then the amount of interest goes up so much. I mean, players are very sensitive to the quality of the market and the number of horses in the fields. And so when you give them a better product, they will flock to it. And that's what happened for the Meadowlands in 2019. There's been a number of horse deaths in California. Do you expect Triple Crown season to dip at all this year? Or do you think once that time comes around, betters are going to want their action and they're going to come, especially with illegal in full force in New Jersey. I think that the triple crown races are okay. There is an issue with the sport. There was actually a, a House of Representatives hearing yesterday with uh, the horsemen are kind of split nationally on whether to go along with this federal bill and sort of have federal oversight or try and basically police themselves. And there is a lot of debate on that. But it frustrates the Meadowlands racetrack operators, though, because almost all of their races are what they call standard breds or harness racing. And those horses are literally bred very differently. So they're much sturdier. They race much more often. They break down less often. There are very few deaths relative to thoroughbreds. So you know, they kind of feel get, they get lumped in with the thoroughbreds who over the years have developed these horses with the incredibly sort of spindly legs in a sense to just get a quarter second faster for the horse. And they've maybe gone a little too far with that. So there's something that the industry has to address. But I think if things quiet down for the next couple of months, by the time the Kentucky Derby comes, you'll see plenty of wagering on that. All right, John, you also work for usbets.com covering U.S. legal gambling expansion. Before I let you go, how is it looking nationally in terms of legalization? I've talked to you about Maryland and Virginia, but I heard statistics that nearly half the country could have legalized gambling by the time 2020 ends. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. There's like, I think 14 are in operation now. Six more have approved it. They just haven't implemented it yet. So that's pretty much a lock to get to 20 this year. And then you'd need five more states to approve it and then get it in operation. That's going to be a close call because these legislatures, many of them only meet for a couple of months out of the year. And this is not obviously the most important issue on the docket for any of these states. So any kind of hiccup, any slowdown, any anti-gambling lobbying, whatever it may be, can sort of send it right into the next year. So I think it's going to be very close to half the country, though. But keep in mind, half the states, not half the country because the biggest states california texas and florida are just going sideways john brennan covering u.s legal gambling expansion for usbets.com you can get podcasts on this website i see daily articles multiple per day it certainly looks like you guys are staying busy over there you can also check his workout njonlinegambling.com john thank you so much for joining me yeah, I'll do the plug. Gamble On is the name of the podcast. That's once a week. And on Twitter, I'm at Bergen Brennan, B-E-R-G-E-N-B-R-E-N-N-A-N. Thanks so much. There he goes. John Brennan, as I mentioned, he works with usbets.com and njonlinegambling.com. That was a great conversation. I just was picking John's brain. I really didn't even like prepare any questions for anything like that. But glad to hear Atlantic City is doing so well in the state of New Jersey in terms of gambling. Revenue is doing great, and I hope my great state of Maryland follows suit here 
soon. All right, let's switch some gears now, talk a little fantasy, and preview the Super Bowl with Yahoo Sports' Liz Loza, who joined me live from Miami earlier this week. Liz, this line is so close, minus two, minus one and a half, minus one, depending on your book. Where do you stand right now? You like the Chiefs or the 49ers? Who do you see winning this game? I mean, I do think it's going to be close, and I can understand why when you look at the 49ers defense, but I have to give the advantage to the Chiefs offense. Patrick Mahomes is doing all the things. He is wildly electric. He's got Travis Kelsey. He's got Tyreek Hill, fastest wide receiver in the in the league, and I think that, you know, if, if – Here's the big if, right, Chris? If Andy Reid can exercise the clock management demons that haunted him in 2005 with his appearance in the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles, then I think there's no reason the Chiefs can't win this because their defense with Chris Jones and Frank Clark has come on over the late portion of the regular season and into the postseason. All right, so based on that, the over-under 54-and-a-half, do you expect this game to be more of a shootout if you're thinking the Chiefs are going to win this one, or do you expect it to be a defensive struggle? Chiefs do have some pretty good pieces on that defense, especially after the acquisition of Terrell Suggs. I kind of feel like they're getting overlooked a little bit as a unit, considering the fact that the 49ers' defense has just been outstanding. Do you expect that number to go over or under the 54-and-a-half? I'm leaning towards the over. I think you're right about Chris Jones and Frank Clark being overlooked, um, and certainly they slowed Derrick Henry's wild postseason ride last, uh, I guess, two weeks ago now, or by the time the game happens. Um, so I, I, I think a lot of this depends on Jimmy G, right? Like, is Jimmy G going to be the person we thought he might have been at the end of what was that, the 2018 season? Or is he, I'm sorry, the tw- yeah, the 2017 season, is he going to be that quarterback? Or I, I just don't think that Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to win this game solely on his amazing, albeit, run scheme. If people are going to be playing either on Yahoo Daily Fantasy or whether it's any of the showdown slates for the Super Bowl on the various sites, we have the usual suspects in this Kansas City offense right to consider, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. When it comes to pass catchers, do you like any under-the-radar players for the Chiefs? Maybe a McCall Hardman type. Chris, you just said it. I mean, McCall Hardman, I was actually hoping he'd have a quiet postseason because I think his fantasy stock is on the rise heading into 2020 regular season. I think he is a breakout candidate, a breakout playing candidate. His speed is electric. Sammy Watkins is always Sammy Watkins, right? And I I just think there's going to be some deal restructuring. And I do would not be surprised, rather, to see McCole Hardman line up opposite Tyreek Hill in 2020. So he is kind of like the the new version, if you will, of Will Fuller. And hopefully someone who can stay on, on the field, you know, more regularly than Fuller. If you had to pick a tight end in terms of either of the prop bets, betting wise, fantasy wise, do you like Kelsey or Kittle to put up bigger numbers? I mean, do you want a catch radius or do you want to see someone beast after the catch? I mean, they're both good at all the things, obviously, but I think when you look at experience, I'm going to have to lean towards Travis Kelsey. He's coming off such a dominant season. 
And I, I, I'm just going to have to give him the edge because of number of years in the league. And do you expect Damian Williams in this Chiefs backfield to really generate any sort of offensive production? I think you could catch him at moderately lower ownership. There will be a fear, I think, that you can't run on this 49ers defense. But Damian Williams, he's involved in the passing game as well. So do you like him to be productive in the Super Bowl? I think you highlighting his dual usage is exactly right. I mean, he has been when Andy Reid has decided to lean on a singular back, the one to lean on. And there's obvious muddiness. If anyone's been playing fantasy throughout the season, you know that both of these backfields, frankly, have been wildly muddy and sort of a hot hand situation. But I think in Kansas City, D Damian Williams would be the, the most valuable pick, especially if you're looking at San Francisco's backfield. Raheem Mostert is one of the best stories of this postseason. Tevin Coleman's not 100%, and Matt Burita's never been a guy who's gotten more than like 12 touches a game. There you have it, Liz Loza of Yahoo Sports joining the Big Cheese Show. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen to the show this week. Please, on Apple Podcasts, I need my reviews and subscriptions to go up or uh, the bosses don't like it and think I suck. So not, not really, but please, it would really help a bro out to say just one nice thing or even, even if you don't like it, at least the interaction's good all Press is good press. Big Cheese Show out. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll be back talking college hoops and XFL when the NFL season is over. Thanks again.